Welcome back, guys, to the Pod of Greed. Yep, episode four. We are your hosts, Paul and Alec. Uh, and but I guess you already knew that. Yeah, you. I mean, presumably. Um, it would be weird if they didn't at this point. Yeah, so we're back to talk about lots of TCG news, and there is a little bit of interesting stuff here. And there's other stuff, too. Yeah, some gaming news. PlayStation had a big showcase that uh, we actually just finished watching. I'm a little hyped for some of those trailers that we saw. We'll, we might, we'll talk about that later. So we can talk about all of that. And, of course, um, just any other things that kind of come to mind. We've got a few viewer suggestions that we might throw in here at the end. So We didn't have time to get the cards to put in the pot, but It's been a busy coming. week. I they're wanted coming. to, but it's been a busy week. Okay, so um, Yu-Gi-Oh! News. Anything of note for you? Uh, man, you know what? I just no love Yu-Gi-Oh! List. <laughs> no ban. I just love you, yo. <laughs> Look, man. Like, if no Konami wants there to be news, they need to make a ban- drop the ban list already. I'm sick of waiting. Yeah, I. So I think the new discourse around that actually is that Konami needs to like just people. It's like you know these stages of grief that people go through. With, oh yeah. So the, the narrative I think has changed from like banless, banless, like give it to us to now. I think people are assuming that we just won't. And now what they want <laughs> is like they just want kind of like a a confirmation that we won't get one or a confirmation that nothing is changing. I will say rather than the way uh, I'm actually at this point with the ban list where, and I think there might be a lot of players who feel this way. I don't actually have any cards. I want to see it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's been like the way for me for a while. Like I am not like, listen, I'm not invested in this. Like I, I don't play enough. Like, Physical TCG. I'm not at regionals. I'm not at YCS events. I don't care what they do or don't hit. Like, it really doesn't just, matter. Just like tangentially looking at the metagame right now, I couldn't tell you I like no what card needs to be hit. So many different decks are topping events right now. I think the best thing I can really say about stuff like this is just that like I feel bad seeing the players not have their kind. Like they just there's so much tension and people seem upset, and so right. like I really would like for them to just get it. So like. Just so, like, people can be happy, right? I, like, I didn't quite yeah. understand the Yu-Gi-Oh! player conundrum with the ban list until I thought about it from, like, other game point of view. Mm-hmm. Like how when Overwatch 1 stopped getting uh, updates to the game, and so we just had to play through long formats of the same broken team comps over and over again. Yeah, and it feels like and the developers have kind of... They kind of check they out. They betrayed you or and, sort of left... And and you're like, hey, I'm sli- I try to play this game every day, and now... I can't even trust you guys to keep it fresh for me. I can't trust you guys to keep it updated. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't want to turn this into, like, a every week we talk about the ban list, but, I mean, it hasn't come out, so. I, mean, like, I don't know. How can we avoid it? when we're ta- If we're going to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! news. Yeah, or like, lack thereof. <laughs> or lack thereof. But I'm, I'm with the players, honestly. Tell us we're not getting a ban list now, like, for now. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with it. I mean, like. Hopefully they do it, at least as of the time of us recording. It is not updated. You guys will see this on Thursday. Today is Wednesday. So, like, maybe it'll be up to date by tomorrow. Maybe so. All I, all I ask crossed. is, uh, you know, go easy on cash tier, all right? You know. The, yeah, he leave, actually likes leave, that. Leave the engine. I do like cash. I do. There's other Yu-Gi-Oh! news, too. Um, so, they named the, you, not the, the Jack Atlas structure deck. Crimson King. Yeah, the Crimson right? King okay, structure yeah. deck. I thought the Crimson Chin. The Crimson Chin. From uh, Fairly Out Parents or whatever. Ooh, wouldn't that be a fun edit for someone to do on the box? Change the Jack Atlas to the Crimson Chin. Yeah, I mean, like, I think... So, have you seen the structure deck or any of the cards in it? No. I've been looking into it much. I saw a Resonator, but I don't remember yeah. what Resonator it was. Lots of new Resonator stuff. 
Uh, I was kind of into the Red Dragon thing. I have a Resonator deck built on Master Duel. Um, I kind of wanted to do it for like a theme duel, like Stardust, Red Dragon. I love the Stardust stuff. It's not like exactly my cup of tea, but I do like that it. it seems like the structure deck gives it some much needed consistency. And it's also, maybe more importantly, the first like time we've gotten a character-based deck in a while. Have you noticed? I hadn't even thought about that. Like, I don't think that we've yeah, gotten that's an anime character. reference. Yeah, we haven't gotten like an anime character, like starter deck, structure deck for, I don't know when the last one was. I mean, like, I just feel mm. like it's been, it's been a hot, the soul burner? No, the rocket one, I guess. Yeah. The I revolver rockets, rocket. That's been a while. I might be forgetting something, but like, I think it's, I mean, yeah, so. Oh, I have a bone to pick. Quick aside. So someone used silver rocket dragon against me on dual links and banished my raging dragon. How dare they? I was very upset. Isn't Raging Dragon the new like meta deck? And yes, or one of the new one meta of decks. Them. And banish the Raging Dragon straight from my extra deck. There goes my wing con. But aren't you a Castera fan? You should be team like be in favor I have of keeping a seven card extra, extra deck. deck. Yeah. Oh, it's seven now. <laughs> and only have one Raging Dragon. Wait, in Duel Links, it's seven. I thought it was six in Duel Links. I think the max is eight. Oh, so it's just been going up a little. But I only have seven. I guess that makes sense if they've been like slowly adding like Xyz, like synchros and Xyz and like pendulums, and now they have links in there, so they better have a bigger extra yeah, deck. Yeah, make monsters with only five. You can only have five monsters in your extra deck. Yeah, with that'd be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the the Jack structure, I think it's cool. I'm gonna be getting it just because like I, I like Jack all right. I remember when I first watched Five Ds, like I did like a bit of a rewatch a couple years ago, and Jack's kind of an ass. At the beginning, but then, like, you stick with it, and he becomes, like, a really good character. You know, I recently, like, literally yesterday, read the first chapter of the Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds manga, which I actually, I, I have owned a copy of that manga for years, and I never read it. So I cracked it open, and I read it, and, um, yeah, Jackson asked in there, too. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll pick it up. I think it's cool, and as for what I think it means, maybe, for the future of Structure Decks, I certainly hope they do more character-based ones. I think that it just like adds a little bit of much needed like appeal to the structures. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you see these structures on the shelf, like it's like spirit charmers or freezing chains or whatever, or even like, you know, the trap tricks one, whatever, beware of trap tricks. It's like, I think if you're a Yu-Gi-Oh! Like a core player, you know what that means. And so like, you'll just yeah. want to buy the structure. But I think for outsiders, it might be nice to have like a character on it. I mean, they do have a character on them. They have the trap tricks. What is her name is on it. And you know, outsiders look at that and they're like, oh, yeah, I definitely want that little yeah. um, plant. Those trap tricks, girls are. They're, they're a problem. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> they're, but, they're. Um, yeah, they're not great. Can you imagine, like, if you were a kid today and you had to ask your mom to buy you that Yeah, buy me deck? the trap tricks deck. And, like, mom looks at it and she's like, what the hell? Just, <laughs> what are you into? Yeah. Mom, I'm 12. Leave me alone. Yeah, I, um, yeah, so I think characters on structure decks is a good thing. I agreed. I wonder if this is a sign that we're going to get more of those. I would like more. I would like more. I would actually love, just something I've always wanted is companion decks, like two-player ones. Because whenever, do you remember that one time we played, we went to Target and bought like a two-player Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Like starter deck thing. I love when they do the two-player ones where it's like it's 30 bucks or something and you get like two decks and like, you know, whatever both people need to compete. So imagine if they had done like a Yusei and a Jack like companion, like two-player deck thing. Like that could be fun. One Stardust, the, one Fred the Dragon. The USA one comes with the Stardust Excel Synchro Dragon thing. And yeah, I mean, that'd be fun. It can uh, synchro summon your opponent's turn, make the monster untargetable. Hey, listen, teach them. This is what Marnie Yu-Gi-Oh is. You plan your opponent's turn. <laughs> sure. So, I mean. Like, give them the real experience. 
is realistic, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> like kids, here's here's your combo deck. My my what? Like your combo deck, <laughs> forty yeah. combo pieces. That's the deck. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think it's cool. Anything else in Yu Gi Oh? There's the U Two's figures collab thing. So I don't know if you've heard of U Two's. They're these like YouTuber usually based figures, but they're making some Yu Gi Oh figures. Oh, and it's going to be Yu Gi Dark Magician. Um, Dark Magician Girl, Blue Eyes, and Kaiba. Okay. So there's five that's of them. Line. That's a solid lineup. And what's also kind of neat no is red that... No red-eyes, though. Yeah, he always gets left out. What's also kind of neat, though, is that the... I think Dark Magician and Dark Magician Girl have a one in six chance of being ghost rare. So that's kind of cool. It's so they're ghost rare being They're all white. Like, the figure's all white. I may see a picture of that. Yeah, it, it's kind of cool. I just saw them talk about it on Twitter. I think that's coming out at the end of the month, like May 30th, so pretty soon. Because, like... I, cause you know, I, if my very first instinct was, oh, that's kind of cool. Then I thought, oh, white, like as if they're unpainted, like they just they're gonna give you an unpainted. Yeah, model. I, mean, I think it's got like something been, that's been done to it. So those are a thing. I don't like, remember how much they cost. I mean, I don't think they'll be super expensive. They look like they're kind of on the smaller end for I figures. Hope not. So, and I think that's all the new Yu Gi Oh of Man, the last that's, week. That's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's been like OCG card reveals. I know there's like a Salamangrate card that people were kind of mixed on. Like they oh, Salam- and- Speaking of Salamangrates, oh, so I've been playing a lot of Duel Links lately. Yeah, uh, you know the um, <laughs> Road to Worlds is happening. They came out the new Odd Eyes EX structure deck. I've been pl- I love playing Odd Eyes. If you guys know, I love p- Pendulums, and I accidentally turned on the Vrains World. It wasn't on purpose. I really only intended just to play. I was gonna play my pendulum deck in ranked and wait for the uh, the like qualifiers to start. Mm-hmm. But I accidentally turned it on, and you know who I saw instead of uh, Playmaker? Who? Soul Burner. It's the first time I believe in Duel Links that you don't start the game a new world off with the main character. So is Playmaker in the game at all? I don't. I have no clue. Or it just starts with, you know, it's interesting. Start, start it with Soul Burner. I think Soul Burner is the more popular character. Like I feel like I see him. Like everybody talks about him. I see lots of like fan art and just people really I mean, like his. I think it makes sense. So first off, Soul Burner's design is way more eye catching. I'd say so. And I think he. Now I didn't. I didn't watch much Vrains. I saw scant episodes, but I believe his story was his, was more tied to the actual plot of the show than Playmakers. Yeah, I don't know about that, I, but I do know that he kind of has, he's sort of the Joey of the show, and then he's like, you know, the best friend of the protagonist or whatever, but I don't think he's like, maybe as like clumsy and kind of whatever as everyone Joey. Everyone always plays the um, the clip of him playing against uh, the guy who plays Rockets. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I forget his name. name. Yeah. Revolver. Revolver. Or what, yeah. what, what, what's, his, what's his English name? I know it's I think, something I think name. It's, I think it's Revolver. Oh, is it Rolf? I think so. Oh, hopefully, hopefully so. I feel like someone got like a, a lame name change between the English and the Japanese. Yeah, there version. is, a, but I know what you're talking about the duel between them. Yeah, that yeah, that, that's a really popular. That duel. gets shared everywhere. Alex and I were watching that episode, and that's actually a really good duel. Like it's Great versus Rocket, and it actually like looks how that would maybe play out in the so TCG. He played Silver Rocket Dragon and banished uh, Heat. Leo. He might have. He might have. I don't know. <laughs> Banishes the last Bay Links. Oh, that's game. And I think he used like Rocket Tracer. So. Anyways, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that Soul Burner is kind of the more popular character. Because, you know, Playmaker's kind of more of like the, 
you say with maybe even less personality. Like it's kind of serious and kind of straightforward. I've seen the first episode of Reigns three times, and I can definitely tell you that man made no impact on me. Yeah, so maybe it's better if they go for the more like passionate duelist type of character. Yeah, a lot of passion and burning his burning soul, his burning soul. Oh, his that one monster. I think that one looks really cool. The it's the decode talker kind of heat, heat soul. That thing Deco looks talker, cool. Heat soul. People that's play cool. That a lot on duel links or not duel, on master duel. That's a cool looking card. I think it's annoying when you when people play. They get to draw. I don't, I don't know what it does, but it looks cool. Okay, so last bit of Yu-Gi-Oh! is actually a story, and it's not really, like, news. It's kind of just time. one of these things from, what is this site? CBR. Do you know? Comic book resources? Comic oh, book, yeah. So oh, they released, I know. They released <laughs> these stories where it's kind of just bullshit. Like, 20 Yu-Gi-Oh! cards that are green or whatever. Yeah, they, they're, they're, stuff. they're <laughs> worse than our shorts. <laughs> Check them out if you haven't seen them. No, but these, so some, some of their articles are definitely just BS. But this one was kind of interesting that it's an opinion piece. Yu-Gi-Oh's 25th anniversary is the perfect time to bring back Master Guides. And so they just go on to explain for the readers, and maybe for you guys if you don't know what those are. In the OCG, they get what are called Master Guides, which are basically their lore books. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often they're released, maybe once a year or every know. other year or something. Japanese. But yeah, you know, we aren't in Japan, we don't know. But basically, those will explore the actual lore of the different archetypes in the TCG. And so the most recent story, like the Albaz story and the Visa Starfrost story, are actually explained in full through those master guides. I know you were reading them. So reading them is a bit of a stretch. Uh, I was I was watching a Twitter user translate them over the course of, like I think, a week or so. And that was the most riveting entertainment I've had on Twitter in years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a shame that Konami doesn't release those in the united states or like in the west I get, maybe they figures no one's gonna care i care but and like i get it i know like it's hard to kind of they they'd be right i think the vast majority of tcg players actually would not buy these or care or whatever or they would just this the scans would just be online so right. that wouldn't really be a thing that they could sell but i still don't think that's a reason not to try to do something with it like mm-hmm. a proper translation maybe like it's I mean, you could even like put the lore into the starter decks because I remember with the trap tricks stru- or the structure decks. Because with the trap trick structure deck, they actually had that little companion paper. Oh yeah, that's yeah. They had some like trap tricks kind of lorey things. Yeah, just explain like their how relations. They live and together. How they work they're they're and just roommates, and they um yeah they they lure men into their um layers, and then they eat them. Yeah, that and just kill them. But yeah, I mean, like it's something that I think Yu Gi Oh could maybe use a little more of because it's. It's something that, like, if you're a super fan, that really adds a new dimension right. to how much enjoyment you can get out of Yu-Gi-Oh. I know some people just play these cards because they're good and they're broken or whatever, and this searches. But I think that for those of us who do like to kind of delve a little bit more into the artwork, I would I would like that. I do love me some Yu-Gi-Oh lore. I'm a big I'm a, not a, the biggest lore head, but I, I do love I do love lore. Yeah, and then one other last quick thing I just remembered: uh, Wild Survivors. Oh, it's yeah. coming out next week, but uh, all the, the uh, influencer videos came out. Yeah, the influencer reveals came out. I wonder what's the deal with that. Like, what like, like what? What are they up to? I don't know. What is Konami up to? I so I saw some cool things uh, about that. Uh, the what is it called? The the Va- Vanquish Souls. Is yeah, that what Vanquish Souls. The Vanquish Souls have a lot of ultra rare slots. Oh, that means they're good. Yeah. So. Um, they get a lot of ultra slots. They get a lot of collector's rare slots. I guess that means that it's going to be probably the like expensive archetype in the set. 
I think I remember looking at some um, OCG tier lists, and they actually made the list. They weren't like one of their top decks, but they were on the list. They made it yeah. somehow. I like the fighting game inspiration. And then the other archetypes, I think it's like the Hungry Burger one. The Nouvelles. Is that what that's called? I think. Yeah, the Hungry Burger one. And then there's the, whatever the dinosaurs oh, are. Did you actually, did you see how they do the recipe spell cards? How do they do them? So if you look at the French version of the cards, it just has the name of the card. Something in French. But the English version of the cards has the name of the card, which is something in French. And then in parentheses, yeah, in parentheses, it has the English translation. Oh, that's cool. So I, I don't remember. I don't speak French. I know Cajun and all that, but I don't speak French. And there's one that's essentially fish recipe. And so it's, it has like its French name. And then, then it says fish recipe. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like you're uh, at a restaurant and like trying to figure out what to order. And like the right. rest of the menus, like all in French or some other language you don't know. And then like they have to like kind of. That's put... how it was in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I remember. Just like that. Yeah, so... All right, good, guys. We've been places. Leave, leave us alone, all right? Yeah, we're world travelers. All right, yeah. We've been to one country. I've been out of the country <laughs> once. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. And that's pretty much it for the Yu-Gi-Oh, I believe. And there's other, like, TCG stuff to talk about, too. And, you know, we're, we're not just Yu-Gi-Oh players, even though that's our main game. And yeah, you got any other? You got any um, other story? This TCG? one's a few... It's, it's, this happened almost a month ago, but we didn't, really, we didn't talk about it, so it's new to us. Um... So, did you hear about what they're calling the largest card theft in history? No. Or maybe. It was a Pokemon card theft. Oh, this is the thing from back in April? Yeah. I saw headlines. I did not read too much into it. So, allegedly, an assembly line worker at some printing company, I don't think they actually say what the name of the uh, company was, stole a bunch of hollow full art, like Tamer card, Tamer Pokemon cards and just really rare cards that are supposed to be seeded into packs to be, you know, good pulls. Right. Well, this guy grabbed a bunch of them. Just took them off just the assembly mi- line. Multiple duplicates, all high rarity stuff. Oh, okay. I think I've heard about this story. I think our editor actually, uh, they put this on my radar. So what? So they just took it? Did they get yeah, caught? They just, they snatched them and they're, they had the bright idea to try and flip the cards at a some LGS, some just some card shop. I don't even know the name of it. I think it's called Trading Card World. Okay. Yeah, Trading Card World. He goes to the shop. He's trying to sell all these cards, and the shop owner is just like, "Oh, how how did you get like thirty duplicates of the same like full art?" Right. Yeah. And this guy had, I, I think they think he had like. Close to like a hundred cards or more. Okay. And he even told the shop owner that he worked for a printing company. Okay. Why would so, he mention that? <laughs> I I don't think this guy actually understood mo- anything about like card games and card culture. Yeah. Basically, tells on himself. Mm-hmm. And there's no self-respecting like LGS that's going to not report this because they know how much trouble they could get into just for being involved in it. So of course they reported to the Pokemon company. They didn't actually do anything to this guy. They didn't detain him or anything. They just forwarded all that information to the Pokemon company. And I'm assuming they sent the Pinkertons in because it's, they say that the Pokemon company has recovered all of it. And recovered. Interesting. they're saying that this is the biggest case of like stolen property being returned ever. 
always a little bit uh, interesting when you just hear words like, the product has been recovered. Been recovered, man. Like, like what does that mean? After that what, Wizards of the Coast thing. What extent did they go to? to they, they sent the bad guys from Red Dead Redemption after them. This reminds me, actually, of, you remember those stories where, like, um, people will pull, like, they'll open a box and it's, like, all Starlight Rares? Like, that sometimes mm-hmm. happens in Yu-Gi-Oh! I think those are kind of similar cases where Konami will, you know, like, they'll see that and they'll go in and, like, I guess try to recover those cards. And <laughs> sometimes I think it's a little bit funny because it's, like, you know, Konami takes a lot of pride. And all these game companies take a lot of pride. Like, anything that's, like, a gotcha where they'll mm-hmm. say, yeah, like, no rarities guaranteed. Like, you know, set pull ratios you know, are guaranteed. Is, they always say but that. See, so, they, so there's always this plausible deniability where, like, when you get a dud box and has, like, you know, like, in typically Yu-Gi-Oh! boxes, like, just standard sets with, like, two secrets and four ultras. Yeah. But, like, I've opened boxes that have, like, one secret and four ultras. You've opened boxes that had no I've secrets. I've had opened boxes, yeah, that had, like, no secrets and all that stuff. And any time that that happens, the typical answer Konami is going to give you is, oh, well, nothing was guaranteed. Right? Yeah. So, like, we, we stand, you know, you know, there's no, like, we have no set ratios. But then, mysteriously, if you happen to get really lucky and pull, like, all Starlight Rares, oh, that's a problem. And somehow they always seem to get those cards back. Yeah, so I don't know what means they go to to do that. Who gets threatened or what heads get chopped off. Whenever that happens, people are always like, oh, man, that couldn't be me. I keep them cards. They couldn't take my cards from me. But they always seem to get them back. Hmm, like what? What are they? What methods like, are they employing? Like, Ooh, man! It is. It, it is interesting though, where it's like that. Those sorts of like disclaimers only really exist so that you can't complain when you get a slightly like off box. Yeah. But in the moment that a, a too good of a box shows up and something's wrong, uh, then it's like come. suddenly a problem. It's like, well, I thought you said there's no guaranteed ratios. I just got really lucky. I don't know. I mean, so with the Pokemon thing, though, this is a little different. I guess this is somebody like literally they took it yeah, off the this assembly was, line. This is a straight up case of thievery. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised you mentioned that he was from a printing place. I'm also surprised he went to a game shop. I figured he would go to eBay, right? I think that they, whoever this guy is, they just did not have a lot of experience in this field. They're probably new to it. Like a TCG player knows not to take a bunch of stolen cards to a, like an officially like licensed like game shop. Yeah. Like the the owner has it's in their best interest to report you. That's really unfortunate. I mean, just that, like, he would steal that. Because I guess what I do worry about is, while I would love the idea of, like, pulling an all-Starlight box, right? Mm -hmm. That'd be great. But if that happened, I would still kind of feel bad because it's like, I know that there's now, like, hundreds of boxes that just were supposed to have them that, like, don't. So someone is missing out. I mean... I have a conscience. Like, no, I'm not saying that I would like go like, and. What you I mean, would I win the lottery and then feel bad for all the people who didn't? Well, <laughs> but I think the difference there is like winning the lottery is like you you bought lottery tickets in the hopes of winning the lottery. Right. But this is like a little bit more than what winning. Is Although it? Although I guess a pack is a lottery ticket, huh? I mean, huh. when you open a pack, your goal is to get valuable cards. That's a question I'd like the audience, um, if you're listening, like, if you pulled the box that has, like, all Starlight Rares, like, what are you going to do? And, like, be honest. Like, I'm not I'm not saying, like, you have to be a really nice Samaritan, like, candidate. Nah, nah. If you would just take it for yourself and sell it, I'm not First saying that. First off, that's, I'm like, not making a video, and all those cards are going to be sold through different, through different means in a matter of months. Yeah, like, I feel like they're just... Cause 
I don't know. Like, I'm not going to pretend to be like the saint and say that I would just return them all. I don't know what I would do. It's never happened to me. I've never gotten what they call, I guess, a hot box. But yeah, I don't know. What would you guys do? What would be the case? Yeah, guys, which of you are good people and which of you are like me? Well, because are you even a bad person? You bought the box. That's true. That's, it's not like, for it. This isn't, we're not assuming that you like stole the box. It's like you purchased this box at your local card shop and you opened it and it just happened to have all Starlight Rares. Mm. You did nothing wrong in that case. So, you know, I don't it's know. It's all profit, baby. It's an interesting thought. Like, I don't think that there's any, I don't know if there's like a right or a wrong thing to do there. Since Konami doesn't guarantee any set ratios in boxes. Now, I don't think it's even a matter of being a fairness either. Just mm-hmm. because um, boxes aren't fair to begin with. True. They were, never, they were never fair in your favor to get what you want. So if you win, I think, yeah, you won. You beat the odds. Yeah, so, you know, that's uh, that's that's a thing. So this is also an interesting one. Pokemon TCG champion sparks backlash after shaving racist symbol into hair. Yeah, so I just saw this one. This is a pretty new story. So Hartford Regional's Pokemon TCG champion Rowan Stavenow sparked backlash after a video went viral showing him getting a racist symbol shaved into the side of his head following the event. Um, so that's... What's the symbol? Put it on screen. Uh, well, I guess I can't... I don't know if I want to put it on <laughs> But well, yeah, shortly after this event this. concluded, um, a Hartford Regional, a video of Rowan with a racist symbol shaved in the side of his head began making its way around social media after a friend posted it to Snapchat. It wasn't very well... They didn't type this correctly. Wasn't very it wasn't very well received. It wasn't very woke, I'm assuming. Uh, well received by members of the community who called on the Pokemon company to punish Dave now for breaking the play Pokemon rules on harassment and bullying. Um, so. What is the symbol, though? I'm trying to figure that out. Don't make me Google it. Cause I'm, 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 I'm just going to Google racist symbol and get horrified. He issued an apology. Yeah. Okay. See if you can find what the symbol is. I'm gonna. So yeah. he issued this. I'll just say this. Yeah. Apology. You keep going. So on May 22nd, the day after he brought home the Hartford Regionals Championship trophy, Rowan issued an apology on his Twitter account. He says, "To all the members of the Pokemon community who have been hurt by the video of me that has been circulating, I am sorry. I understand why you are hurt." He said. He also revealed that he didn't know it was being shaved into his head, and definitely <laughs> didn't know someone was posting it online. Okay. In the video, I was drunk and decided it was time to shave my head. <clears throat> I told my friends they could make me look as stupid as they want before giving me a clean shave, he explained. You can hear me say, I can't see the side, somebody take a picture. I truly did not know that was going to be saved into my head and would never have allowed it if I knew. He made it clear that he was truly disgusted with being associated with the symbol and felt gutted after learning one of his friends posted a video of it online. So it is a swastika, as you would have expected. Like, okay. It, like, uh, my my opinions on this are probably not good for this platform. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave most of that to the side. Right. Um. Not cool. That'd yeah. Be a nice you know, way of saying it. Not cool. It's not a. It's not. Oh not man, good. I'm I'm so close. It's just not surprising. I don't know. Like. I mean, like. It's kind of one of those things where it kind of reminds me of how a lot of YouTuber or like kind of influencer controversies go. Sometimes things are said or made or shown or whatever that maybe you thought were private and then they end up on the internet and like, 
it's up to you as an online viewer to determine whether or not you feel that that accurately represents this person and their views in life and stuff out, you know, off screen and out of the game. Or if you think it was like truly an honest mistake. The thing, I guess the issue is um, the idea that racist iconography is humor at all. Right. That I think maybe is the more worrying part. It doesn't matter if, um, if, if the person himself wanted it was that it was funny to the friends. Yeah. And, and those are like his friends. That so. got him caught up. Even if, if he if assuming he didn't want this like shaved into his head, well, their sense of humor got him caught up. And sadly, I think whatever punishment he they hand down, he deserves. Yeah, I mean I think so too. So again, I'm not gonna like make a claim on his character. I don't know who this person is, but um not a cool thing to do. It is. And that's like the nice way of putting it. And we have been looking at this uh, trend in the card game space of players are being held accountable for the things they do outside of the game as well now. That is true. I know that Konami has been kind of coming down a little harder on like people just saying the things and stuff online. Lots know, of Twitch streamers. Yeah, I know that that's like kind of seen as controversial, but there's so many places. Twitch streamers, like Twitter, uh, Facebook, and some YouTubers too. Facebook groups, you know, a lot of that stuff, things get said online. And I think that it's, I would actually argue for the best that Konami kind of makes some moves on like shutting a little bit of that down or at least letting people know that they can't just go like witch hunting players and also attacking like Konami judge staff. I just, I feel like social like media has people just way too like lost in the parasocial sauce. Yeah, they're saying too much online. They're doing too much. Like it doesn't matter how bad of a person you are in real life. At least don't put it online. Where you're gonna get, where it's where it's permanently there, guys. Nothing can be deleted from the internet. It's there forever. Yeah, I think like you know when you're online, like just I just feel like I sound like someone's a parent. When you're online, just be safe and nice to everyone. I know, like it, people get heated in these arguments and stuff, but it's just no excuse to like say and do the worst. Cause then, cause then you might end up banned from your favorite card game. Yeah, so let's uh, let's not do that, and hopefully none of you guys have to end up, you know, being banned by Konami or the Pokemon Company or whoever else decides to right. enforce such a thing. Anyway, though, uh, speaking of other card games that could also maybe ban you, unusual MTG booster box crashes quickly approaching fifty dollars. What do you mean? So this is about the newest or I think most recent MTG set, uh, March of the Machine: The Aftermath. Isn't that the box that got that one YouTuber attacked got by the, the Pinkertons? Pinkertons? Yeah, man, these stories really start to come full circle. The yeah, longer right, you everything do this. is just connected, man. I don't know. Um, but anyways, it is official. This article says players do not seem pleased with the new March of the Machine, the Aftermath set. Sure, some incredibly powerful additions are available in the set that impact powerful formats like Modern, but sealed product for the set is just bombing. So basically, what's happening here is March of the Machine Aftermath, and I don't play Magic. This is just a very abridged version based on my limited understanding. But he is willing. Uh, anyone who wants to fly us out to do magic do content. magic content. Um, so there's a set called like March of the Machine that came out pretty recently. Yeah. Is my understanding. I, I do remember that. That was like set. a new sort of main set. March of the Machine Aftermath is like them doing, I think for the first time, like a yeah, sort like of a side epilogue set. side set sort of thing. It continues a lot of the lore. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit weird because it contains only 24 packs and each pack has five cards in it whereas in the in normal sets it's a 36 pack like booster box i'm wait, talking wait, about booster wait, box wait, wait. 
I'm doing the math here. Five cards per pack. Twenty four packs. Yeah. How much does this cost? Um. So I guess the MSRP originally would have been like maybe a hundred or something, and now it's like gone down to really low. Yeah, it seems a little weird, doesn't it? Yeah, that. I mean, I, so oh. the story itself is basically just about the fact that. While it was supposedly a pretty exciting set, the value of it on TCG Player has dropped from over 120 bucks when it was like at pre-sale to now like as low as 50 in some Dang. cases. So a really big drop-off. It's interesting because this is a bit of a story in the Magic world, but in the Yu-Gi-Oh world, I actually don't find this as shocking. I mean, we've had some pretty lame sets. Yeah, and it, in Yu-Gi-Oh, like sets can kind of drop off, and like we're just, you know talking just the value of a sealed box mm-hmm. can drop off pretty drastically. But it's I also more normal that that happens. I so. won't remember. I think the most recent one for me that I remember, I'll never forget Shadow Specters. Yeah, that set I guess burned Alec. Yeah. That set was. <laughs> it's one of the less uh I I know that uh even just within recent sets, like the last year or two, most sets they come out and kind of get forgotten so fast that I could see their prices going down. Maybe that's changed now because I know Konami doesn't really do the unlimited runs of most sets anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think done. that it's kind of like a one into like you buy it when it releases and then that's it. I never thought but, about that, but yeah, by eliminating unlimited sets, for the most part, we have they've kind of doubled back on that a little bit. But I think they did one that with means like that, the elements. So. Yeah, it's very it's a very unlikely that they'll overprint sets when there's only one edition. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, I don't play Magic, so I don't know if this is this box good. Is it bad? For those of you viewers or listeners who do play Magic: The Gathering, I would love to know. Like, you know, do you think this is worth it? It seems like my understanding is it's kind of a lore-based set, and so it's like supposed to actually what does that even mean? continue or finish lore stories that were started in the Mart- the original Martin Machine set. So does it not have new cards? Well, it's got new cards, but okay. um, just that that's kind of it's more about that. It the box contains, as the like marketing material says. 24 lore-packed epilogue boosters to witness the conclusion of the March of the Machine storyline. So, or uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess I don't. These epilogue packs also do not contain a guaranteed foil card. Maybe which I guess normally they do. You know what? At at the price that it sounds like they're at, I'm gonna buy one so I can understand why they're upset. It sounds like there's just too few cards in there for it to be of value. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But I feel like there must be more at play. Yeah, I'd like to, if somebody can maybe better understand it and, like, explain it for us in the comments, I would not be upset about that. I would yeah, like I to would know like a little to bit more. more. I'd like to know more. I've only barely played, like, Commander, so I don't know enough about I don't know enough about this game. Yeah, I, again, I just think it's, coming from the Yu-Gi-Oh! background that I do, it's sort of weird to hear about, like, a box's value going up or down as being, like, a huge talking point. Because in Yu-Gi-Oh!, they feel like they just kind of naturally get down there and then yeah. just... Where it is, and we're and we're more used to the whole like sentiment of like only buying singles. Like that's a pretty popular thing in the community. So a little too popular, if you ask me. Yeah, like I like to buy my my sealed product every now and again. And again, I saw I bought a lot of singles in the last few weeks. Yeah, if you buy any singles or sealed product, you can buy them from TCG Player. Use our link in the description. Yeah, I forgot to do that last time. Get a uh, wow. 
Anyways, no. Yeah, but we do have a TCG Player affiliate link. We don't talk about it much. But if you happen to be buying any card game stuff, definitely use it. It helps us out. That's the story about the magic thing. Again, if someone can better, like, just make sense of it for me. Yeah, help us out with that one. Please. Um, speaking of card games. Okay. Uh, it was put on my radar very, very recently that a new TCG is on the horizon. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. It's Another coming TCG. out next month. Yay, what is it? So, for a while now, I thought that Bushy Road was just the loser in the card game wars. The card I game thought that, wars. you know, everyone's making new card games and Bushy Road's just losing more and more ground, but they're actually releasing a new TCG. I didn't even know this. Okay, what is it? Shadowverse. That's the one with the anime, right? Well, before it was an anime, it was an app game. And that's how I knew about oh, it. Oh, so it was an app game, then an anime, and now they're getting a physical yes. game. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so tell me more about it. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I, I I pretend to know nothing. I know a little bit because I do remember when we watched the anime. I think it was only... I still don't remember watching that. Oh, I did. I might have watched it with Alex. I don't know. The point is, I watched like a couple episodes. I remember there being a guy and there being a girl, and they were kind of like butting heads would they be they both had that i know but listen <laughs> I, but I, at any rate it kind of had like a futuristic vibe to Wait, it are I you think. sure you're not and, thinking about that other one the one with the border something border break the border maybe i don't know there's a lot of stuff look guys shadowverse tcg is coming out next month yeah the english version, they have the english version right? the japanese version is already out um okay. let's see how that does dude <laughs> I wish all the best for this game. I do. So this isn't me saying I hope it fails or think it's bad. I don't know enough about it to judge. What I do know is like, goddamn, that's another card game yeah. that I am probably, maybe inadvertently, going to end up having to take a look at at least. At some point, it's going to At some point, either it'll end up in my inbox or, you know. Now, it's. I'll give it this. At least with Shadowverse, it seems like it's actually like based on an existing card game, like established property sort of like it is a c it's like a it's a digital card game well yeah but at least that still means there was a card game base there which is a little different than digital card game being made into a physical card game might be Hmm. Hmm. i mean because i'd say that because it's at least a little different than like the star wars tcg or you know the one piece tcg which not saying those are all bad but just that like i think that stuff that as i've said in the past stuff that's like property and then just like the card game. Yeah, it is. I don't really know if I always like that. Like the My Hero card game. Well, I'm, I'm a fan of the One Piece TCG now because I saw the I saw people playing the new uh, Baroque work strategy from their fourth set. So I'm here for that. Yeah, I know Chris plays a lot of the One Piece game. It's just that there's like, uh, just I found myself saying this more and more. It's card game fatigue. Like I don't know how many of these like how many these things can even fit on a store shelf. Yeah, you know what uh-huh. I mean. Like. There's just I mean, so you've many. seen our shop shelf. It's already there's there stay full. I don't know. Yeah, like there's so much like just, it's it's always so cramped and it's like man, how many card games can like one person be expected to like play and be interested in? Like, I don't I don't know because like Battle Spirit's supposed to have a, a Gundam collab coming up, and so you know you you know yeah I know like, you're gonna have to get those your boy has to get in on that and yep. uh, Weiss Schwartz is getting an expansion that. What I've never never paid attention to Weiss Schwartz a day in my life. I know I people looked, collect it. I looked at a list of all their sets, and I was blown away by how many different anime they have in that card game. It's actually staggering. 
But uh, which one's pulling you in? Well, they're doing an Azure Lane collab. Oh yeah, your app game. And I was, I was like, well, here we go. So when it comes to stuff like that, this is a question for you. Do you like? Okay, so Battle Spirits is doing a Gundam yeah. collab. Why Sports is doing an Azure Lane collab. Yeah. Do you start playing these games, or do you just like get the cards and kind of just have them? Exactly. Right. The okay. latter, not the former. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of people do the same thing, and and I think that to be fair, it makes sense. Like if I liked a certain anime, maybe I'd get like some of the Y Schwartz cards for that anime, and just kind of put them in my Yu Gi Oh binder as like just fun placeholders, or just you, kind of. You know, I have I have fake Grand Order cards from the Japanese arcade game, but I've never been near one of those machines a day in my life. Wait, fake Grand Order has a card game? Well. Ish. Sort of. It's an arcade machine. You know how those Japanese arcade games, so they'll they have the kind that will spit out a card. Where Dual Terminal came from, right? Okay. And so in Fate Grand Order, it's a it's a card based like online game, but and in the uh, the arcade version, you can get a physical card of your servants or other cards to use in the game. Interesting. I also have some Gundam cards from a very similar type game. I think you showed me those. Ones. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I. I Look, guys, I collect. What can I say? Well, so I think when it comes to that sort of a collab, it's cool that the collab can happen. So, like, I'm I'm in favor of that. But it feels like maybe it's maybe the goal is to by having Gundam tied to Battle Spirit Saga, a person like Alec who likes Gundam but doesn't really care about like the game itself necessarily will get these cards and maybe just maybe all those that all that will align and he might just try the game out. I'm assuming is their goal. With I that. would need a community to do that though. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, can a local community even hold up more than like four or five kind of games simultaneously? I think it depends on the area that the, the card shop is in. If it's in a large city where it, where it can bring in maybe a couple hundred people in a given week, then maybe you can have yeah, those like six or shots. seven car games running. But in a shop like ours, that maybe what do we have pulls, at our locals? We've got like Yu Gi Oh, Magic, Yu Gi Oh, Magic, Pokemon, Digimon, Digimon, and that. Do they play like Vanguard, One Piece? I'm sure I someone think they play does. One Piece. I sure, I'm sure someone plays One Piece. Yeah, but that's not the hard many. part about like these games too. Is um, you know, you play a game, but you just kind of can't like find local people to play because you know a person only has so much bandwidth. You can't all be like me who has card games for like seven, I have cards for seven different card games. And the thing is, even though I have as many cards as I do and I know how to play many games, I don't actively play all those games. It's not possible, yeah. even for me, who likes to split off parts of his personality for different things. It can be tough to be me, y'all. Y'all understand. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot like the world of gaming now where like there's just... Like season passes, oh, and, don't, don't you know, like all this stuff oh, where you no. just you have to like, you kind of can almost find yourself switching from games. Like you know, we play Final Fantasy fourteen. We do, and like I know, like in the fourteen community, a lot of people switch from fourteen to WoW just depending on what the most recent expansion has been in either game. So you'll cancel your subscription to Final Fantasy, play the newest WoW expansion, and then like once you're you know you're done grinding all that stuff, we then you like right come back. back to Final Fantasy because like a new patch just came out. Which a new patch actually did just come out. It, it or 14. did. New MSQ, new story, lots of fun. So um, it, it's a lot like that with card games. But that's though. actually not bad when I think about it. Because, you know, MMOs, at least in that one situation, they can go months without any new content. So mm -hmm. 
being able to ping pong between two means there's always new. You have a lot more new. But see, that's different though when you get into like the video game, the broader video game space. Yeah, which is like Fortnite and Overwatch and this and that and Battlefield. And they all have these. Yeah, they all have like this season pass, and they all have. And then like if you play Master Duel, right? Yeah, like if there's a new duel pass and a new ban list, and then Duel Links and gets added. And it's like a I found everything. it very difficult to be a an Overwatch Fortnite. Duel Links and Honkai Star Rail player. Oh yeah, you play that too. Jeez, that those four games have my mind just splitting with how much of my time they all want from me. It's very difficult. So before we get into the um, maybe the a meaty story of the PlayStation stuff, because I know that happened. Yeah, there are a couple of other video game related things. So I thought that'd be a good segue. What you got? Um, one's a fun story. One's kind of an un- unfortunate one. Here's the unfortunate one. COD, or Call of Duty, players angry as Activision takes legal action against Black Ops 3 mod X-Labs. Do you know anything about this? No. Is that like some type of like risque mod? Or? No, not risque, but... Oh. Um, okay. An annual release cycle makes it difficult to revisit classic COD titles. Once a new game releases, fans flock to the new shiny product. An unfortunate mm-hmm. byproduct of yearly releases is that old series don't have enough players to host servers. So small development teams have actually put the onus upon themselves to keep these classic experiences alive for players that may have missed out or want to relive their favorite maps and weapons. For example, SM2 was an ambitious mod project that used the Modern Warfare 2019 engine and iconic weapons from previous games. Well, so anyways, um, what basically happens is these Call of Duty players will basically either set up servers, like custom servers for old games, or make like slight mods to old games that they can still play them online. It's like if you had like your favorite shooting game from you know when you're high, when you're in high school, you play like Crossfire or stuff like that. Oh, Crossfire! Yeah, like people still like kind of independently keeping up servers or making mods to kind of let you revisit those games. And you know we see that a lot because like e shops and stuff will close. Like yep. oh the the Vita shop is closed and the 3ds e shop is like closing what stuff a like shame. that. So um, anyways, they have these different mods. Well, just five days after SM2, which is another popular mod, shut its doors, X Labs. Announced on May 22nd, we have received a cease and desist letter on behalf of Activision Publishing in relation to the X-Labs project. So we are complying with this order and shutting down all operations permanently. Thank you for support over the years. X-Labs was a community-made Call of Duty product that featured modded versions of previous COD titles like Black Ops 3. Ah, okay. I'm, I'm wrapping my head around the situation now. Yeah, now what's interesting is that the biggest issue with Activision shutting down mods like X-Labs, according to Modern Warzone, um, I don't know if that's a, a group or Sounds a, like a group person, or anyways, a person, is that there's no safe alternative to play older Call of Duty games online anymore. The reason why is because um, typically when you like try to download those games and play on the servers, apparently it can like take, there's like, personal data and stuff that you can that can be compromised in doing that. What? I don't know exactly how, but um, the Call of Duty Insider argued it's unsafe for players to revisit old games on console because it puts their personal information in danger. Um, there have been hacking issues, basically, uh, with okay. these old games. So, um, yeah, so basically they shut down this, you know, kind of big community mod project. Mm-hmm. People are not happy. Have you noticed that with the further incorporation of gaming the gaming industry is becoming kind of anti-gamer I don't think that that would be an unpopular opinion for you to say it just feels like at every turn gamers we know what we want 
Mm-hmm. And when these big companies, because they have their, their goals are always like profits, profits, profits. When they're when they start overlooking things that we care about, we we will take it on upon, upon ourselves to make what we want to see. Yeah, and mods and server customer servers. My understanding in this case is they weren't they weren't charging people for it. They weren't trying to run a business off this. They were trying to give gamers yep. like Call of Duty players uh, or the ability to revisit the games they loved. But I, from a corporate standpoint, it's like that means that there's a contingent of people who are satisfied with yeah. this old product that we can't make money on anymore. Yeah, or they're not playing as much. that instead of the new thing. And we need them over here. So we're going to shut we're going to shut down what you enjoy. Yeah. So that we can make more money. Yeah. You're right. Mm. It sucks. I mean, I'm not going to get maybe too deep into just the whole like all of it, like the season passes, the microtransactions. We've been through the, like the age of loot boxes and just games that come out unfinished. There's like the recent Overwatch controversy. There was a thing with don't Halo, bring it, don't bring it up Battlefield again. 2042. Like there's so many of these games where it really honestly just feels like games come out unfinished. People want to just get you signed up to like a season pass. I want to sell yep. you as many microtransactions as they can. And they will also kind of take away games when they're like, they'll, you'll, you'll get discarded when, when you've been kind of like, like drained of everything you have. I remember, so you get a cross duel, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like if you were into cross duel, it's shutting down in September. One popular enough. Konami can't sustain it or don't want to sustain it. So it's gone now or it will be gone soon. And is, isn't it weird to buy a game and then, then and companies, yeah, we, we buy these games, we don't own them, companies can shut them down, and we cannot play them Yeah, ever and they don't again. want you to, like, ever be able to get back on it. And that's something that's frightening is, like, so I said this when, and when we did that one video about, like, cross-duel shutting down, is when cross-duel leaves, there will never be, like, it's a server-side game, right? right? Like, you download the app, but that's just, like, kind of the assets. It runs server-side on, for them. So once that game's gone, like, it's going to be the first, I believe, Yu-Gi-Oh! game, outside of maybe, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! Bam! and, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, Dual Generations. Yeah, PC things. It's kind of their more niche things. But it's going to be, I guess, another Yu-Gi-Oh! game that, like, you cannot revisit. If I ever want to play Forbidden Memories, there are ways to revisit it. If I ever want to play, like, you know, Duelist of the Roses, there are ways to, you know, revisit it. But if I want to play Cross Duel, I just can't. I'm... I don't think that situation didn't really, uh, I didn't really understand that situation until, um, cause I, I played mobile games and I played mobile games that shut down. You can't play them anymore. And, and, but I made my peace with that because they're mobile games. I didn't, I didn't expect to be able to keep them forever, but I remember Battleborn mm-hmm. launched around the same time as Overwatch. Love that game. The pieces. I thought it was so much fun. I was so charismatic. I, I was like, "Hey, uh, I was like, I don't even need Borderlands anymore, Gearbox. This is this is my this is my game. Where's that two K? I forget who's in who who's uh, in charge. Who was in charge of Battleborn? Either way, loved that game, mm-hmm. but it was losing the hero shooter battle. Overwatch had launched. It was a titan at the time, and Battleborn servers were starting to dry up. Yeah, and inevitably, we everything everyone saw it coming." They announced the uh, termination of the servers and the game was going dark. Yeah. I thought, because the game had a single player mode, I thought it meant that we weren't going to be able to play just PvP anymore, which is which was fun. I loved PvP. Wait, so the single player didn't even work anymore? No, 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 none of it does. It's gone. Oh, it's all gone. Oh, it's, wow. it's gone, gone. Hmm. And I was like, oh, it's gone 
forever. <laughs> it really, I mean, it, it certainly lends a little bit more weight to that argument that, like, it sucks when you don't own the things that you buy. Mm-hmm. With a lot of these games, you're buying a license to the game. These digital downloads, all that stuff that's contingent on you having an active internet connection or yeah. them maintaining the servers or whatever it might be. I mean, I don't have, I guess, the strongest opinion on it because I don't really play a lot of video games. Like, I'm not a gamer, per se. I only play, like, a little bit. Then what are you? I'm a Yu-Gi-Oh player. Oh, okay. There's a difference. Hey, these cards, they can't delete these cards. Yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, it kind of makes you think the games that you, like, play today will just go away. The games you played, like, 20 years ago will always, like, kind of be there for you in Mm -hmm. some physical form or emulation. So, But, you know... At my dad's house, we still have our old PlayStation 2. And I'm always, there's something kind of heartwarming about the fact that I can actually just turn that PS2 on and insert any one of those discs that's not too badly scratched up and go play. play. And I can play those games. They're janky and they're not nearly as fun as I remember, but they still work. I still own them. And you were saying just about like how it almost feels like it's become a little bit more anti-gamer. Because anytime that a player likes something like too much, maybe and it's too passionate, and there's like a passionate community that wants to like mod a game or whatever, mm-hmm. that's when like you know Nintendo comes swinging the hammer, or Activision in this case comes swinging the hammer. Yep. Um, I actually found out recently that that uh, guy Super Zalao, the YouTuber who was doing the Yu-Gi-Oh like kind of card project where like you put the cards in the mat and the monsters would appear. We had like the cameras. The, and the French guy. NFC. Yeah, the, the French tuber. I hope I said his name right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Yeah, the French. I it was uh, like Zulu. Super Zulu or but Zalo. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. know. But either way, yeah, he'd made that. It got a lot of media attention. It got like a lot of press coverage. It looked dope when I saw it. Yeah, it was really cool. You could put, you played the cards and the monster would like summon over it and like he could use it for streaming. He had multiple camera angles, like an overhead and like a bottom up angle and like a, so it was really cool. Uh, and apparently, I think like Konami or somebody, they got a cease and desist for that. So, and that happened months ago. I didn't even know about it until I did that short on it recently. I did, like, That's a, a short. shame. And so it's kind of a shame because while I totally understand companies, like there's going to be that one person who's like, the company is just enforcing their copyright, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I totally get it. Man, I know I trademarks. I totally understand. It's just that I, I walk away from that with a bad taste in my mouth because what ultimately I'm seeing is a passionate Yu-Gi-Oh player got burned for being a passionate Yu-Gi-Oh player. Like, you can, you know, say whatever you will or may about, like, legal stuff. I I understand. It's just that that still really sucks. Like, the real human takeaway from that is that he got burned. Like, because they just told him he can't use it for videos anymore. He can't even work on it. I guess unless he maybe finds out. Maybe he signed something with him. I don't know. So, um, we'll lighten things up a little bit. Oh, you got something like that? Well, not really. This one's not exactly a lighter one, but it's like a more nonsense story. What you got? Why are video games... Ever wondered, Alec? Why are video games always falling? Uh, I don't know what that means. Yeah, so um, you might be wondering what that meant, because I did as well when I saw the headline. And it's an article by The Verge about how so many games use the word fall in their title. Have you ever noticed that? Fall guys? Well, that one's a little different, but yeah. Uh, so yesterday, gaming website IGN posted a trailer for Ashfall, described as a post-apocalyptic massively multiplayer online shooter slash RPG. And today, the same YouTube account dropped a video for another title called Lords of the Fallen, a spiritual successor to the popular Souls-like action RPG. 
And then later this year comes the action role-playing game Atlas Fallen. Um, while February showed that even VR isn't spared by the game called After the Fall. Never heard of it. Add to that the things. recent launch of Redfall. I don't know if you heard about that nope. game. And um, so it's just kind of this thing about how, like, there are so many games that are called, like, Fall. You remember, like, Titanfall. Um, there's the new Destiny expansion, Destiny 2 Lightfall. And so it just kind of was like a, this... This isn't news. It's just like it's a, a kind of joke article, but like so many games love using the word fall. I think fall is it's a, it could have such heavy connotations, but you know movies like using fall too. Mm-hmm. Olympus has fallen. Uh, Transformers, uh, something fall, and I forget the name. Yeah, like it's something but, fall, fall of the fall, this. Everything falls. It's there's something heavy because fall implies. Demise, destruction, the end. I do feel like it is like one of those, you know, like the English language or not. I mean, I'm sure every language has this, but like, you know, there's like certain like cool words. Yeah, there or are like cool words. Cool letters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the letter X is cool. That's right? like X is cool. Hear, throw an X into something. You know, that's you know pretty cool too. Hmm. E. I mean,. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, it's like something something GX, like Yu Gi Oh GX, or something something DX, or just you or know Z, or the something X something collab. So like X is like a cool thing. I feel like Fall for video games feels like it almost is like you know Redfall, Titanfall, something something fall. like it just they they like you know Ashfall and well, we hate it when things rise. Godfall. There aren't a lot of rises. There are some though. What was that game on Xbox? Like Rise, Son of Rome? Sure. Okay. I mean, there's like a game I remember. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I was just got kind of this article about like how the word fall shows up a lot. Fall. I don't know. Now, they also mentioned that there are some sort of grandfathered in ones like Fallout, which is like 30 yeah. years old. Like that's been around for so long. I don't think that that was part of the, you know, the new thing. But then there's also like Fall Guys. And Fall Guys actually at least makes literal sense because in all the games, you literally are like... You're trying not to fall. You're trying not to fall, and after the game, everyone falls. So, you know, some games it makes sense, but a lot of games now just have the word fall. I don't know. Makes you wonder. Is there any other word that's like that? Um, Hmm. Hmm. I feel like I can't come up with it right now. Yeah. But I feel like the moment this pod ends, I'm like, oh, I know one. Like, because I was thinking of, like, the Final Fantasy XIV expansions, where it's, like, Shadowbringers or, like, Endwalker. But those don't really show up that much, so. They are, but those are, like, edgy names. So, yeah. Anyway, um, neat article. You guys can tell us if you think that, like, do you, do you like the fall? Maybe there's a conspiracy theory behind it. Who knows? What are they up like, to? Yeah. Like, what, what do they mean by it? Yeah, like. You see what these game developers are up to? Yeah. Well, speaking of games, see what they'll do to make money. Yeah, anything. Um, so PlayStation just had its oh, big, yeah, man. big show. We actually literally just finished watching it. I got, I have some things to say. Yeah, lots of games came out or <laughs> came out. We're shown. Yeah, then I guess we'll be coming out this year, next year. What'd you think? I think that that presentation. It was a little, it was dated. I think we are past the point when you can just show the audience um, 
cutscene trailers. Yeah, the cinematic trailers or whatever. These yeah, these cinematic trailers that don't show any gameplay. Or these extremely abstract trailers that don't get to the point until literally the very end. Here's looking at you, Metal Gear. Um, Right. We don't have any... We don't trust any of y'all. I'm sorry, game publishers. We don't trust you. Your cinematic trailer does nothing. Not after not after how I got burned on Cyberpunk, how a lot of us got burned. We don't we I don't even trust gameplay. So I'm really not gonna trust your cinematic trailer. Yeah, I uh so like I said earlier, not a big gamer. I don't really play a lot of games. I used to kind of fashion myself a gamer, but I don't think I would call myself that anymore. It was still really fun to watch. I will start with the good, which I think is they showed a lot of games. There were plenty. There was, there's a nice bit of variety. Um and so there's probably something there that anybody would like. And also, it's nice to see how, like, cool these game trailers have gotten. Like, they're very cool productions. I don't trust it's that just, anymore. Well, yeah, that's what I was getting to is it's just that these are supposed to be, like, video. Like, these aren't supposed to be movies to me. Mm-hmm. You can, I know, like, that's not an unpopular opinion. A lot of people kind of get sick of these, like, cinematic games that are more cinematic than they are finished games. But um, they look nice. As for what stuck out to me... I'm not going to lie, I don't, uh, not a lot of it. A lot of shooters, which is a genre I don't really play much of myself. I'm not very good at them. I'm sick of seeing robots or people wearing robot-like armor shooting. I'm so sick of seeing it. Yeah, maybe we should be positive. What What did you like? I know you saw a couple of games you wanted to. So, yeah, the, uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. So I don't know anything about Dragon's Dogma. Can you tell me? So based off the Netflix show, um, it's no, pretty bad. <laughs> no, don't even, don't give me that. I know those Netflix shows. Oh, man. Um, I guess the best way to put Dragon's Dogma is it's kind of a return to high fantasy RPGs. Mm-hmm. Think like The Witcher, but before the next Witcher comes out, which will ruin the franchise. Um, yeah, like has high hopes for these. Look, man, I, I don't trust CD Projekt Red anymore. Yeah, but, that's fair. Dragon's Dogma, that game, it looked it looked fun. It looked interesting. I It looked complete. I know that's a risky thing to say in this day and age. No, not many games are. But um, I didn't want to see any... I didn't want to see any more multiplayer games that are like only multiplayer. I didn't want to see any more robots with guns. It was nice getting this break of just high fantasy... RPG. There's a bunch. It showed a bunch of different characters. It showed combat. It showed drama. As a JRPG kind of guy, I did find. I thought it was kind of cool that it was the Grand Blue game. Oh yeah, the Grand Blue Fantasy JRPG. I I don't know a lot about Grand Blue. I've seen it. You can download it on your phone. It's actually an app game. Yeah. So I guess it's getting like a console type of game. Well, it already had the fighting game. Uh, Grand yeah, okay. Blue Fantasy Versus. I think the name is. Cool. And I think they did a reboot of that or something. Yeah, so that was neat. Um, <laughs> a funny one to me was uh, that game Foam Stars, which just looks <laughs> like it's literally like a Splatoon clone. That would Not to say it's mad. bad, but that it is definitely like 100% My God, a Splatoon. I, I did not expect such a blatant Splatoon like copycat. I, now, that said, I mean, they're on Splatoon 3 at this point. So like I guess it's it's, not a spring chicken. Yeah, so it's not like it's like oh you know Nintendo did this and got success one time now they're just copying and there's like there's been like three Splatoons, so it it seemed pretty cool. I thought it was like some sort of a hero shooter esque game when I was watching the trailer. That was the vibe I got. But maybe they're just combining the idea of a a hero shooter with Splatoon. 
So I just Splatoon and that other game created a theory for me. Mm-hmm. The what's the name of it? The, I forget the name of the Minecraft looking game. Yeah, Teardown and Foam Stars. Foam, Foam Stars. It feels like Sony is trying to make games that will capture the kids of a previous generation. Splatoon and Minecraft are popular with kids. Yes. But kids have to grow up. Yes. Teardown is a very Unless you're Peter Pan. Unless you're Peter Pan. Or Peter Parker. No, no. Um We'll get to him. <laughs> Teardown feels like the edgy, mature Minecraft. You're not building things anymore. Now you're just kind of destroying things in this GTA-like world. Yeah, a little bit. I I think that it's cool that Sony is kind of trying to create its own equivalents to these kind of big things because Microsoft owns like you know Minecraft and Steve and all you know that whole mm-hmm. thing, and like Nintendo's got Splatoon. I think you know Sony kind of sees that. Well, can we have something that's similar to that and it feels like a they're trying to make a do a more mature take on them true because foam stars looked it, it's not nearly as like i guess kitty looking as platoon yeah. is but it still like has the colorful vibrant thing it's just the characters seem a little bit more like it feels like, like if you if you know when you were young or if you even today if you really love playing splatoon you have a very good sense for how that game plays and, it, and you really enjoy its its style and its reward for playing it yeah, Foam Stars is right up your alley. It's yeah, it's like if you're literally trying you to do the same thing on your PlayStation. Yes, yeah, Splatoon on PlayStation. Effectively, you can. That's cool. Uh, let's see. Was there anything else that stuck out to me? I mean, the the Metal Gear Solid one was kind of a fun trailer. I like that, like snakes, like at the very end, because it had me thinking it was something completely see different gameplay. I am mad. That is true. I, I I feel like so few of those trailers had gameplay. So few. Like so many were like the more like indie looking just, ones did. And they all looked interesting. I mean, and I guess like for some of these games, they're coming out in 2024. They don't have anything really to show yet. Then you shouldn't have announced it. But yeah, that's kind of been my thing. It's like, but I guess the, the gaming world now is there's this expectation that you need to have a lot to announce. And I'm and that's not Sony's fault. That's like more just, that's like people's expectation, especially with like E3 kind of gone, is game companies need to have like, when's the next Sony state of play? When's the next Nintendo Direct? When's the next, like, whatever the Microsoft equivalent to it is called? The game uh, show or whatever? Like, that. like it, you know, there's this expectation that, like, there must be some new, you know, content and stuff to show. Because but if there is it's still kind of a subversion. Because we're, like, they're taking the idea of an announcement very literally. Yeah. It's we, literally we, just We are announcing that we're working on Metal Gear. We don't have anything to show you guys. Look, here's a trailer. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that as far as, you know, I don't doubt that these will be, like, you know, potentially good games. Like, they could be good, they could be bad. That's It's just more like, just actually show us some gameplay. Please. Like, just show some gameplay. Like, I don't just so care I can about have your cool. some trust. Yeah, just some. some trust in it. Because a lot of those trailers ended with, like, pre-order now. And it's like, based on what have yeah, you like, sold what? me? Like, I don't know. So... Um, now I think the big heavy hitter that everyone's obviously talking about is like the new Spider-Man game. I was so, that I is was so, so cool. happy that it, they showed you basically an entire mission. Now I'm biased, obviously, you know, like Spider-Man's an established thing that I really like. And I don't even like love, like I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan, but like, I like, I've watched a lot of the movies and they're cool. And like everybody knows the Spider-Man games are like kind of staples of the PlayStation experience. It's what really made me happy was just that it was gameplay. Yeah. Like, it, so it wasn't just, oh, cool, here's, like, a trailer for this new Spider-Man 2. 
it's no, there was gameplay. You, you got to see like basically the first part of a big mission and you know, it looked like it's finished. It's like playable. For it's a game cool. we did not have a lot of details about. Yeah. We were still wondering what it would be like. Was Miles Morales going to play a big role in it? Would it be like the Arkham series where you switch between the characters? Would they leave him out of it? What I think we already knew that Craven the Hunter might play a role in it. It was good to oh, see. He's like a cool villain. Yeah, it was good. It was good to see that. And then Peter Parker showed up in the Venom symbiote suit. Like, come on, man! I, I I didn't see that coming. That was so cool. Yeah, I think uh, what was then cool we to saw me, it in gameplay. Yeah, we got to see gameplay of it, and then, like just the two of them working together. Yeah. I, knew, I knew that like it had been established that they like I guess know each other and have like met. But I think it's cool that like you switch between yeah. them. So because you know that's neat for people. Who, I mean, most people have played the Spider-Man games, but for context, um, the original Spider-Man game on PlayStation Four, great game. Um, it introduced Miles Morales as a character, but he wasn't um, he wasn't playable. Mm-hmm. Then they made the Spider-Man Miles Morales game. Yeah. Where now he's the main character. It's a smaller game. I, you, I would think of it as more of an expansion, but it was, but it was a very fun and solid experience. And everyone had the question: Well, what does that mean going forward? Are we going to have a split Spider-Man franchise now, where we have like Peter Parker Spider-Man games and Miles Morales games? Are Miles games always going to be smaller than Peter games? Yeah. So now that you get to share a game, now they're, they're both in the same one. That's like really that. cool. One other uh, thing that I thought was really neat was the new handheld thing. Oh, the kind the, of remote play yeah, device. Yeah, yeah, Thoughts on that? So. Oh, for context, it's, I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening at this point in the podcast, you maybe watch this PlayStation thing, but they're releasing this like eight inch screen kind of device. On dual sense controller. On like a dual sense controller or whatever. And like you can stream PS5 games to it, it seems mm-hmm. like, and like carry it around. I don't know if it's only like a you carry it kind of around the house, like how far the communication and stuff goes, or if you're literally able to stream from like, I can be in another city and just carry this thing with me. I don't know. I'm assuming it's it's it will be an in-house deal, mm-hmm. just because that device didn't even look like it would be safe to just bring when you're out and about in the streets. That's it's a big screen on control on like these controllers, and I feel like that's gonna. Yeah. Get damaged if you like put that in your backpack and take it around places. But um, I thought it was cool. Um, it has Switch vibes. Switch vibes, but yeah. bigger. Honestly, like Steam Deck vibes. Steam Deck vibes. Like, to um, be honest, I do wonder though. <clears throat> do I need one of those? Like, yeah. So they didn't give a lot of info on this, but. I mean, I guess the sales pitch is that it seems like it's like a way to remote play your games. And to me, it all comes down to what do they mean by remote play? Like, if I can take this anywhere and stream my games from my PS5 that's still sitting at home in my entertainment center, then I think this is a, a pretty good value prop. If this is something that, like, has be to be, afraid like... afraid of getting robbed. Well, there's that part. But if this has to be just sort of use within the house and it's just a way for me to like play my PS five games, like in another room or something, or like maybe outside in the front yard on this little screen. I don't think that that's a good enough value proposition for me. So I do feel like if I'm in my house and I want to play the PlayStation, I'll sit down and play it at the TV. Did they give a price? 
I don't think I saw a price. No. No. Okay. Yeah. So they show the thing. How much? What do you think that's going to cost? Given like what's in that thing, because it's a screen. It's an eight-inch screen. I don't know the resolution, but like, if it's like a 1080p display, that might be so, a price. Sony, thing. but Sony has been known to take like higher technologies and like bring them down to a more acceptable compu- compu- uh, consumer price point. Only after the PS3 failed and forced them to. Yeah. So if I had to guess, two fifty. Hmm. How much is the PSVR again? I have no clue. I, I think I know that's, that's a pricey thing, like three or four hundred bucks. Still cheaper than a normal VR headset. I'm. I would say if the, if they can get this thing at like. So here's my wish list. If it's like 1080p, like the screen is a 1080p screen. Mm-hmm. It's like eight inch, kind of like hopefully like OLED display. I don't know if they said anything about that. And like the battery life on it is like maybe three hours or something. <laughs> that sounds maybe reasonable. If they can get it un, like at 300 or really ideally less than 300 i think this could be a really big thing like i think this could be pretty useful again it's that hinges on like can you take this places or is it just around the house if it's what's around the house the, i don't see msrp on playstation 5 so i, I don't even a know ps5 it's either 399 or 499 because like it can't be three-fourths of the price of the playstation can it yeah because the cheaper the discless ps5 is 399 bucks so i, I think that this thing's got to be at least 100 less than that at least like, like three, $300, I think is the most that you can sell people on a thing that seems contingent on you having a PlayStation five. Yeah. It's Cause like it sounds like you have to have a PlayStation uh, five accessory. I mean, a switch has the whole like docking thing, but you're paying for all of that in one go. Yeah. I think two fifty would be a nicer place or really like, 200. I think 200 is my dream place, but I just, I don't, yeah, I don't think, think we're getting that I don't think it's going to be that cheap. They also showed some kind of earbuds, yeah, which was neat for two reasons. So it's cool that there's a kind of a Sony branded, like, like Sony makes wireless earbuds outside of like PlayStation, yeah. just there's Sony WMX, whatever's. It's cool to see like a gaming branded, like pair of wireless earbuds. Cause typically when you think of like gaming earbuds, you think like earphones, like the headphones, they're yeah. big, you know, like Sony's made mic, plenty whatever. of them. This is cool because it almost it factors in so like it pairs well with that whole it's mobile. So you take this little thing like that's your your screen to play on, and then also you have your um your like your earbuds in. So not a headset on, but earbuds in. It just feels more like modern, like on the move, right? I think it's a uh, it's a matter of preference. I think everyone has different um like comfort levels when it comes to having things on and in our ears. I've always, I'm a headphone guy. I'm most comfortable when I have head over the ear headphones on, but I know there's people who don't, who aren't comfortable wearing those who don't like their ears sweating and stuff. And they like them. They, they like their uh, ear buds that go in their ear and yeah, they like can wear those for hours. I can only wear those things for maybe 30 minutes. My ears start to ache. I don't like it. I mean, it's cool to have the option. I think they're just kind of trying to sell this, Portable first package. Mm-hmm. It's really meant to be, you know, portable first. How much will those things cost? Hmm. I mean, knowing Sony, I'm gonna say like a hundred bucks for for those little earbuds, which I think is like maybe that's fair if the if the, if the sound quality is good. I'm trying to think. It I know like depend. AirPods are about 150, 120 maybe, 130. I've never bought a pair. Something. Never will. And then Galaxy buds are about the same. They're in the same neighborhood. So I mean, if, I think if Sony sells these for like a hundred, that might not be too bad. And then you sell you get this little screen controller thing, 
for like I'll say three hundred. I guess that's it's high, but like if it's a if it's like a well made thing and you can actually take it and like play these games on the go, I think that would be fair. Not maybe not ideal, but like fair. I mean, uh, well, this is that, but this is the age we live in. Uh, consoles and accessories and peripherals and yeah, you gotta have the whole package. Remember, you get these, you still gotta have your PlayStation VR. You gotta get your headset. I mean, I mean, we saw the Resident Evil Four game on there. That game, the game looked great. Uh, would I play it? No, I don't like being scared. But yeah. everybody else, though. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing. They showed some PSVR games. I don't own PSVR. I never have. Don't plan on buying it. Not really all that into VR stuff. However. Uh, my only takeaway is that I think they have too many just shooting games on there. I know that's like what VR seems naturally inclined toward. It's the easiest type of game you can make for VR is a shooter. But I want to see like some other experiences. I remember I, I'm on Oculus. I used to love playing this one um, a platformer. It was like a little fox guy. Yeah, I forget around. what that was called, but I, I don't know remember the name either. But it was a it was a VR platformer, and uh, I enjoyed that. It was fun. I was like, I was got I got to be like in the game. Yeah, and of course there's like the Beat Saber expansion, Queen. Yeah, it's Queen. That's dope. Uh, so I'll be, I'll get it on Oculus. I don't think I need a PlayStation VR for that. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, my biggest takeaway from the whole PlayStation thing is all these games look cool, but I really would like gameplay. Yeah, I know I'm not even their time, their primary like target person. I'm not going to really buy much of any of it because I don't game that much. But I think for people who game, it would have been nice to show game play and rather than just trailers because other than the games we talked about the things i was most hyped for were the games that we already knew mm-hmm. were coming out i mean we saw final fantasy and we saw something else that's street fighter and street fighter yeah up up until like i saw dragon's dogma those are the things i was most hyped for during the whole like thing next month, so. <laughs> so yeah um i'm not gonna give it a rating i'm not like really one of these like oh sony got a seven out of ten it no, was cool this was a c plus stream no so, but yeah, just some more gameplay would have been nice, right? <sighs> okay, um, that is just about it. We're gonna take a couple of viewers. Already lost the main though. camera. Somebody, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get the cars for the. We'll podcast. get the cars soon. I promise. Um, somebody asked us what are the Yu-Gi-Oh accessories that we use the most, except like like deck sleeves, boxes, deck boxes, mats. You have a preferred like you know kind of provider mm. of these things. Um, oh, we're not. I mean, I don't think I'm the pickiest person in the world. Yeah, I will say that for sleeves, I'm also not that picky. I will use. I think Ultra Pro is the good value pick. Their sleeves are yeah, gotten better. If these you just days. need, if you need some stuff quick, Ultra Pro. I think the overall winner for sleeves though would be Dragon Shield. I really like their. I think they're called the dual mat sleeves. I do like the Dragon Shield where sleeves. The inner part is black, I and mean, the outer part has a color. Yeah, and they're very they're textured really lightly, and they're really well made, and they're very clear like to like see the, through. Yeah, they're they're easy to see through. They shuffle well. They shuffle well, and because it has that like black interior, it means that your card backs can't show through the back of the sleeve, which could sometimes happen with like old Ultra Pros and stuff. After and they kind of got a bit from a tournament. Yeah, because it could basically sort of be like considered cheating. So yeah, Dragon Shields the sleeves for the dice. I've always used those Ultra Pro Gravity dice. I use whatever die I have. <laughs> yeah. There's like some Digimon dice and stuff that have come out. Do you have any of those? Oh, uh, yeah. I have some Digimon dice. Uh, I got them at a convention. And they, when it comes to Digimon products, I just try to get accessories that match the decks that I play. I could mm-hmm. telegraph to my opponent exactly what I'm playing. Yeah. And then in tournament, I completely switch it up. 
But yeah. um, so you know, I have a uh, Mastermind deck. So all the things I use with that deck are Mastermind themed. And then I have a Beelzebub deck, and all my accessories are Beelzebub themed. Yeah, so you're, you're just like immersing yourself. Yeah, in that. as far as Digimon goes, with Yu-Gi-Oh, I just use Ultimate Guard deck boxes. Oh yeah, I love Ultimate Guard deck boxes. The little uh, what are they called? Sidewinders. Side, yeah, like sidewinders. Love their sidewinders. I use the big box thing now. What's it called? The archive. The archive. To, to store to all the decks. Store all my sidewinders. Yeah, we'll have to bring all this stuff like onto the podcast. This is the one day the I didn't bring all that stuff with me. Yeah, we're, I would have liked to. Guys, I show up to this office with a big archive of decks almost yeah, like, every day. Yeah, we usually bring that. So, um, and as for play mats, I actually just tend to use like the Konami mats. Guys, you don't want to know how many like. Konami, like, official mats we have. It's yeah, we have plenty. Of we have so many. There's no reason to use other mats. One that I've really been liking recently is the, um, what is the name of the fire girl? The Kuri Hira? Kuri oh, Hara. the Div Incarnate thing? Div Incarnate, yeah. That one that's has a good, been, That is a good that, one, That's a really nice looking mat. I like that. Oh, I, I lied. Okay. I do have one mat I like to use over my um, Konami mats, and that is my Cosmo mat that I had Genzum in design I, I love that mat. Yeah, oh, for those who don't know, Ginsman, who's that? That's the artist who actually was responsible for drawing the cosmos for Konami, but they'll never say. And he won't say either. I don't know how their contract works, right, but I know the truth. And I didn't sign a contract. Yeah, he got a commission. That was a, that was a big commission, I remember. It took a year. Yeah, but, but the mat looks really good. It came out so well. So, yeah, that's kind of just the stuff that we use. Um, I hope I didn't like leave out anything crucial um but i just remember that was like one of the questions that somebody had gonna ask so and ne- next time guys yeah, we're next be time we'll, right we, we will be drawing the cards we promise hold us to it if we don't do it then what are you trying to do? trying to draw to trying to get my hand out here hold this let's pull it off my hand oh, Jesus pull, it, pull it pull it i don't want to break it well i'm trying to get my hand out <sighs> okay ah <sighs> We really need to be more careful with this thing. This gotta, thing costs a lot. You got to be careful, man. You know, that's where, like, the pot of greed comes from. That whole, like, mythological thing. It's like a folk, folklore. If you're greedy. You're greedy. You, you put your hand in a pot and it gets stuck. Yeah. Because you were looking for something that, like, you you know, wasn't yours. It was unearned. That you didn't need. You need to draw those two cards. All right. Well, that's pretty much it for this episode of uh, the Pod of Greed, episode four. We're doing pretty well. Four for four. Yeah. Every yeah. Thursday. Who would have thought? I thought we'd have dropped it by now. Yeah, we've done that with other things. But you guys enjoy it, so we're here for it. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Team APS. Um, you can also follow our personal Twitters, but there's not many great things there. So yeah. I, I've tweeted before. Yeah. And, um, of course, subscribe to APS Amplifier and the main channel, Team APS. We've got great stuff coming out. Yeah, and let us know what you thought of any of these stories, topics, things we should maybe talk about next time. We might even bring on some guests soon. Yeah, we do have a couple of familiar faces that you might get to see here in the next few weeks. maybe one or two you've only seen in Hollywood movies. Okay, that's a lot. Like, but know, what if we did about? have a Hollywood guest, like Keanu Reeves? Yes, and That'd he plays sick. Yu-Gi-Oh! It's a whole thing. You could teach him Yu-Gi-Oh! if he doesn't know. All right, well, that's going to be it. We'll see you guys in the next one. Pastor. Pastor.